My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today with a super exciting guest, you guys, Mariah McGinnis. She is the founder of Content Queen. With many years working in PR, journalism, and marketing, she has all that under her belt as well, you guys. She thrives on helping business owners build their knowledge, confidence, and even love for all things content creation, storytelling, and writing. So welcome to the show, Mariah. I know I keep my part really brief, but I think this is the perfect time for you to go ahead and elaborate. Thank you so much, Brittany, for having me. So yes, founder of Content Queen. I'm also as we're recording this um, digital nomading around the world. I call it, no- I'm a marketing nomad. Um, and I'm recording this from Mallorca. So I'm from Australia, if you can tell by my accent, maybe not, I get British a little bit, but yes, I'm from Australia and I started my business really for this freedom, this sense of travel that I am obsessed with, that I found in sort of my early 20s. And um, I love writing, hence the journalism background. And I really do love helping others share their story. I was the kid in school. We have something in Australia called show and tell, where you show and tell what you did over the weekend. And I was obsessed with that. I was so excited for that because I could share my story. I could hear other people's weekends. And I absolutely loved it. So I've just really built a business around things I love writing, sharing stories. I love travel. I love content creation. Um, So that's sort of how it started. And also I want to help others with time freedom because content creation is draining. It takes a lot of time. And I know a lot of my clients have said that before, and I really want to help business owners get more time back because that's why we started our business, right? It's like for a purpose. A lot of our purposes are to spend more time with our kids, to travel, to just have that freedom that we didn't have in a nine to five. And that's what I'm really passionate about helping people do. And I show it through my own adventure as well as a traveler. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Love it. Thank you for elaborating, Mariah. Now let's talk about how, like, based on storytelling, how can you change the way you create content online by, by using storytelling? Yeah. So I think we're starting to see like during the pandemic, a lot of us started to see influencers, especially on TikTok, on Instagram, sort of sharing more about what was going on in their lives. And this sort of like rawness and vulnerability started to come out in content creation. And then it started to flow into the business side of things. Now, I wouldn't be a very good storyteller if I didn't share a story to explain this process. Now, my story, I'm just going to disclose just because I shared my personal story. It doesn't mean everyone else has to go extremely personal online, but it just does show you the power of storytelling. So in uh, 2021, I had a huge surgery. I was diagnosed with two tumors and cancer at 26. And I had half my pancreas, part of my bowel and stomach removed in this like crazy surgery they call a Whipple's. If anyone watches Grey's Anatomy, they will know exactly what I'm talking about because apparently it's a surgery they do on the show, um, as a lot of my friends remind me all the time. And I started, I I didn't know what to do at this point when I heard I was going to get a surgery. And 
the only thing I knew to do was obviously communicate with my clients and then share my experience on social media. So I set up my tripod, I put my camera out and I shared my story. And that got a really beautiful response from it. So I said, look, I don't know what kind of content I'm going to create for my business while I'm away, but like stay tuned, I'll try and share some things. And when I felt better and more comfortable, I started sharing my experience in the hospital and then I expanded that onto TikTok. Now, what I saw from this, and this is kind of like a little experiment, it did help my business, but it also helped me connect with others. I now have a TikTok that I share my experience being a post, I call myself a Whipple's warrior, a young Whipple's warrior, because this surgery isn't done in uh, young people like myself. It's done much later in life for pancreatic cancer. So I was like, I feel really alone. What am I going to do? I'm going to share my story on TikTok. And that allowed me to connect with so many people that I never thought was possible. I literally, you know, I don't post all the time on this channel, but I'm still getting messages consistently in my DM saying, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I have confidence that I'll make a full recovery, seeing you traveling the world, seeing you eat normal foods. Like I'm so grateful I came across your page and I've seen just the beautiful transformation that my story has had in other people in their healing journey. I saw a, a woman in Colombia who had the surgery and she was walking within one day, which is like so unheard of after a big surgery like that. And it was just it was so amazing. amazing to see. It was incredible because she was given the motivation by my experience. So also what happened with this is I saw the power of storytelling. So I was like, okay, let's transform this into business. Obviously, I'm not going to make a business opportunity out of my health journey because I don't want to, but let's see how this can transform into business. So I started sharing more stories. I started relating stories back to my business and it wasn't personal stories about my health and how, you know, if I just really gruesome details about my body, it was stuff, everyday things like the fact that, um, you know, we had a canceled photo shoot the other day and how that transpired into a beautiful lesson around business that would help my audience. So that's when I started to see how powerful these tiny little micro stories made up, like made a difference in this world of social media, made us relatable. And then, of course, there are those vulnerable stories or those key stories that happen in our business, why we do what we do, why we got started in our business and transformational periods in our lives. And these all weave together, make for easier content, and it just makes for an enjoyable experience for our audience. But this doesn't have to go as you don't have to have a health journey like mine to share on social media. It could be client transformational stories. It can be analogies. I love an analogy. I love a metaphor. And they just connect perfectly with my audience because they just like, oh my God, it makes so much sense now. It's just a really nice way to allow your audience to understand what you do and how you do it. And we're 22 times more likely to remember a story over facts, figures, and numbers. So that just goes to show if we're educating our audience through a story, they're going to remember it and they're going to remember us for that story. So that's how I've seen it transform my business. But then my clients, one of my clients has written a whole book based off her story, which I'm very sure is going to be a bestseller. So it's just amazing how these stories can just transform our business. No kidding. Incredible. Thank you, Mariah. Now, I really appreciate you getting vulnerable and telling us about your journey. I cannot imagine at such a young age going through that and how you push through. It's very inspiring. It's a very powerful story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mariah, let's go over the seven-step content marketing strategy that you use and you teach to help connecting with converse, uh, connecting and conversion. 
Yeah. So this is uh, one thing that I think a lot of us struggle with is having a plan. You know, we do have that old let's post and hope for the best mindset at times. And I had that and I was working in marketing, everyone. So like I had no excuse. I was working in social media marketing. I worked, you know, alongside the marketing team in a corporate job. And when it came, when I was side hustling, in my business. Um, yeah. Didn't have a strategy. Had no idea what I was going to post. I get home from work and I'd be like, okay, what am I going to post? Okay. I teach content marketing and writing. I actually wasn't really doing much content marketing then. It was more content writing. So, okay. Right. So I scroll through my phone. I find a photo from like my Vietnam travels of like some flowers. And I put that up and I'm like, oh, that quote was quite inspirational. And I put a quote in the caption and, you know, a little story around that. Not even really a story, just like that. You can do it, motivational stuff. And then I'd hit post. And then I was like, okay, cool. Why am I not getting any clients through my social media? I was getting clients through the FIFA platform I was on, the freelancer platform I was using, but not social media. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And I realized I don't have a plan. I'm not intentional. I'm not even giving value to my audience. So I sat myself down and I came up with a strategy. And this is one I've used with my clients. It was one I used with myself to get clients. And then recently, as I was revamping a lot of my content, I realized that there was these seven steps. Originally, I had it at five, but there was a few missing ones that I was really passionate about, one of them being storytelling as like a little spoiler. And I went to this amazing business retreat. And at that retreat, the mentor I was doing it with just wrote, let's do an acronym because people were going to remember it. So we just wrote content down the page. And then I started to fill in the blanks. So the first step to a content strategy is connecting with your audience, but also your vision, your goal. We can't do content marketing without a goal because we don't know what we're doing it for. We're just kind of posting and hoping for the best. So there was connect with your audience, which is very important, and your vision. Then the O was optimize your channels. Where are you showing up? You know, all those things. What channels work for you specifically, not for what the person next to you is doing or not for the guru on TikTok that's telling you you have to do what channels work for you. So that's optimize your channels. And then we go into N, which is nailing the strategy, working out what you're posting and when. And I have, I do a monthly workshop where I sort of go into the nitty gritty of how I formulate that together to help me save a lot of time. And then as we step into T, we're telling our story and what we want to be known for. That was the missing link in the strategy that I originally created because then, of course, I had my own journey with storytelling, but also this like thought leadership stuff. What do you want to be known for in your business? Like even if you're a product-based business, I know product-based businesses that want to be known for circular economy, being sustainable, that's what they want to be known for. That's their story. So that was a really important part. And then we go down to expanding in different places. Where are you repurposing your content? How can you be seen in more spots? So it's not just I'm on Instagram. It's not just I'm on Facebook. It's like, how can I make this all work as an ecosystem rather than, excuse me, rather than, you know, showing up on one channel, showing up on another and having completely different content that doesn't align, doesn't talk to each other and takes us a lot of time to create because each piece takes a while. So we want to get the most out of it. And then the other one that I think is really important because we could have the best strategy you know we know what we're going to talk about we know where all those things but if you don't execute it it means nothing it can sit on your in your notebook it can sit on your computer so navigating the process is really important how what days are you creating what days are you sitting down to actually execute the content what's that process do you have like an sop you know we're going to get a bit technical here and have like a a project management tool to help us keep us accountable i was literally talking about accountability today 
my partner's very external accountability. So if I tell him to do something, he'll do it. If he has to do it, if he has to tell himself, he won't. And I'm the opposite. So finding out what that is for you, how do you keep yourself accountable? We're all very different. I think that's very important. And then the last one, which is T, is the one that was also missing in my strategy, test, trial, and measure. If you are not measuring what's working and what isn't, you can't improve it and you end up doing the same thing and getting the same results. And I'm very, very big on measurement, even though I'm not a numbers gal. I had my brother tutor me in 12th grade maths. So anyone, you know, if I can look at the numbers and make assumptions, anyone can, but just deciding on things, you know, that content piece worked really well. That one didn't. Why? You know, all those things. So that is the C, the O, the N, the T, the E, the N, the T, the seven parts that make up the strategy that I really love to teach. And it goes through research at the start into the strategy, you know, what we're posting, where we're posting it and what does, what content are we creating? You know, what are we going to say when we're posting? And then the process at the end, how are we going to execute that? So that's what I love to teach. I love to make it easy for entrepreneurs to understand the strategy. Because when I say content strategy, I don't know about you, Brittany, but like when I first started my business, even though I worked in marketing, we had a social media strategy. The word strategy made me sick. I was like, it just seems complex. Like it seems like it's this mystery thing that we don't know. And, and we're just, but I really like to just throw some things out there, make an assumption, put it into a plan and test it. And that's why the testing is in there because we have to execute it, see what works, but essentially a strategy is a pathway to get to your end destination. So when I sort of changed the narrative and put together a seven-step process, I think it's made entrepreneurs realize like it's super achievable. I literally had a client that purchased my content bootcamp message me today. She's like, I think my life just changed today. And I'm like, yes. She's like, yes, I was, did. yes. And she's like, I was going to outsource it because I didn't know what to do, but now it makes total sense. And the simple thing that she was doing was she had a podcast, she had socials and, and she had email. And she was burning herself out, creating content for all different platforms rather than creating an ecosystem. And I think like that was really what changed the game for her. And this strategy really like set it out for her step-by-step on what she needs to do. And then when we need to evaluate and we know where we need to go and we can go, okay, I need to revisit my target audience because I find I'm not reaching them properly or you know what, I'm not repurposing enough. So you can then go back and review what parts aren't working. So that's a short snippet of what it looks like. Love it. Thank you for going into detail. So you mentioned uh, target audience. Now, how do you know who your tar- target audience is? Um, why is it so important to cr- get crystal clear on that? Mm, that is a good question because I have, I think target audience is one of those ones too, where people are like, oh, I don't know. I serve lots of different people. And that's so true, yes. right? And yes. what I see with business and marketing is business, you have what we call an ICA or, um, you know, your ideal customer avatar. And you might have different offerings that make up that, you know, that have different, you might have four offerings and four slightly different customer avatars. For example, I have two because I have one that is going to hire me to do the work and I'm going to have one that's not ready to hire me but they need help. So they want to do an educational part of my business. And a lot of people, a lot of service-based businesses have these, they have the person they do one-on-one for, and then they have the people they teach. So I take this for an example, right? That's my business ICA. um, That's who I sort of create offerings for, right? But then when I'm marketing, I want to go down the target audience. Who am I targeting? So we take these two customer avatars 
And we create a marketing plan for both of those. And it doesn't mean that social media has to target both of them if it doesn't make sense. So I went very bold last year and decided that retainer clients were not going to come through my social media. It's a high-end offer. I'm, I'm not serving them on social media. I'm serving them through networking and word of mouth marketing. So I decided to put that in a box over here and focus my social media on that one person. The person that's struggling to create their own content, they're not ready to outsource, but they really want to make sales in their business utilizing content strategy and content marketing. So I made that decision to talk to that one person. And that really helped me get clear when I was creating, because when I'm writing, I'm not trying to write or writing a caption, creating a podcast. I'm not trying to write for four different people. I'm trying to write for that one person. And I had a salon owner say to me, yeah, but I don't get it for me because I have waxing, I have nails, I have hair, you know, all these things. And I just said to her, picture in your mind, the one person you love to serve, the person that you chitty chat to and hear all about their day, the one that you would like, would be a friend essentially of yours and a friend of the salon. They're loyal. They book, you know, those people that go to the counter and book their next appointment. Not me. I'm not the ideal <laughs> target audience for this salon owner. Who is that person? And she's like, right. oh my God, I get it. I totally get it. I said, it doesn't mean you can't attract that person that just wants their nails done or this or that. You're attracting that type of person that will treat your business like their family or they will be a repeat customer. They'll be loyal, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be a specific person that even buys a product. It could just be general. Who do you want to work with or who do you want to buy your product? Even product-based businesses, you could go and say, well, I want everyone to buy my product, of course. But you want a specific person that's going to treat your product with respect. They're going to recommend your product. So then you start right. to paint a picture of who that person is and you can create content for them. And even if you have multiple different audiences, you can have seasons in your business where you create marketing campaigns for those people. All right, in my business, I might decide, you know what? I want to retain a client. So I'm going to dedicate the next three months to target those people on my social media because they're generally business owners. So you can have this like broad target audience and then you can kind of filter them down into you know, who's the person you really want to work with that you love. Your dream with. customer. Yeah. 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 So you kind of start to paint this picture and like my branding is very pink whilst, you know, now we're, um, you know, pink doesn't mean girls. I'm not saying that at all, but like my, my branding is very feminine. I still have mm -hmm. a lot of male clients. That doesn't matter. So I'm, I might market to women, but I still attract males. So just because you're marketing to a certain person doesn't mean that you won't attract other people. And then it's up to you to decide whether you want to work with them or not. They might not be, you might say, you know what, I'm going to say no to that person, even though it's a good opportunity because they're not ideal for me, but you will attract other people that like you or just need hundred percent service. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get afraid of that is okay. Well, if I narrow down and niche down, what about all these leads I'm getting, you know, but you can't be too broad because at the end of the day, a lot of them are just not going to be a fit for yourself and you're not going to be a fit for them either. And mm. not to be afraid of, of, um, narrowing down your, your ideal client mm. and getting really crystal clear on that, because you're only going to actually attract those ideal clients. When you do that, when you really focus in on that, and they're going to see the value in your offer, they're going to be able to afford your offer. They're going to be in the right market. They're going to be action takers. So it's so important to really mm -hmm. not be afraid, be afraid and just really um, niche down and get crystal clear on who your dream customer is and just fly with it. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you've said. And I think like 
at the end of the day, you know, you make an assumption, you test that assumption. And if it's not for you, you can, you can move and and pivot. As they say, I know that was like a COVID word that everyone like didn't love, but you (laughs) just adjust. And that's what marketing is about. You make an assumption, you test it. If it works great. If it doesn't, you move on to the next thing. It's like, there's like, it's like, you know, with engineers, they love when things fail because they're like, cool, we can cross that off the list. It's like not being afraid to get it wrong is the most important part of marketing. Well said. Mariah, that was amazing. Now, I want to just make sure we have enough time to talk about your podcast as well and how it ties into your business. What were the intentions behind it? Yeah, no, thank you for asking because I love my podcast. I've really (laughs) been consistent with it. It's been such a like um, a great tool for me and my business. Well, so originally I had a podcast very long ago and it was just for fun. I talked trash essentially with people I knew and it was just fun. And then when I started my business, I was like, okay, cool. I would like to start a podcast. I know how to do it. It's very easy for me. I was recording every week anyway. So let's just make it intentional for my business. And what I decided to do is make it a core strategy. I made an assumption that a podcast was going to be my core um, (coughs) marketing strategy. Sorry. No worries. (laughs) I know um, my cousin cleaned the desk just before I started. So I don't know if there's dust in the air. No worries. I'll just mute and cough. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Okay. I think I'm good now. Sorry. And sorry to your editing for that. Um, No worries. So, yeah. So what I did is I decided that my podcast was going to be a core marketing and business strategy for my business. So I made that my core channel, my core content channel. What I did is I started to create weekly episodes. And from there, I repurposed those episodes into my social media content and led people back to the podcast. Because if they're going to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however many minutes listening to me, they're more aligned than those that watch seven second reel of me and keep scrolling. So I wanted to create this evergreen piece of content so that I could lead people to it. And I still use all my episodes today. All my old episodes still get viewed. You know, we can't say that about social media content. So I wanted to be very intentional with my podcast and then use it as a tool to promote my offers and services. That's the best way to monetize a podcast rather than getting sponsors or, um, you know, going down different routes like that. I could talk about my products and services and promote myself, you know. So I that was a really um, intentional thing that I did to make sure that I had a channel that I could really give value to my audience. I could use it for content in the past, if, in the future, sorry, if someone says, oh, um, I don't know how to set goals for my content marketing. And I go, here's a podcast, listen to that. So that was really the goal around it was to give value. And I love to talk. <laughs> love it. So where's it at today? I mean, let's talk about what you're up to with it today. Any major focuses right now? Yeah. So at the moment, um, I made sort of an assumption at the start of uh, this year that I wanted to grow the listenership. I wanted to just continue keeping it consistent, but I knew to get it in front of new eyes because I have my, you know, loyal, we all have our loyal uh, listeners, which I love. Right. Um, right. I wanted to bring in some new people just to really help them. And I remember a podcast absolutely helping me start my business. So I wanted it to be something similar. So I made a goal to get more reviews on my podcast, actually, because I know I made the assumption more reviews, especially on Apple, um, puts it up on the charts, the higher it is on the charts, the more people will see it and then listen to it. Right. So and the more reviews you have, they go, oh, this looks like a good podcast. So that was sort of my goal for this year. 
Um, I've do, I'm doing really well, actually. I've nearly reached my goal already, which is amazing. I started off Congrats. with a small goal. So next year I'll probably go a bit bigger. But um, yeah, it was just really trying to get, and not just like the five-star rating, but the comments, like the actual really value where people write something about your show, which was amazing. Um, so that that's where it's at. It's at 180 episodes. Um, so it's it's getting old now. She's uh she's getting on. Um, but no, I love it. And you know it's so funny. I, I use anchor and down the bottom you have to write what season you're in, but I've never stopped. So I'm always into season one. <laughs> I'm like it's just season one. I haven't ever like the longest season amazing. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's love literally that. No, no worries. So I had a question for you. I mean, how, um, as a successful entrepreneur as yourself, what would you say are some of the most common traits that you see in other hyper successful, um, entrepreneurs, like whether Mm -hmm. that is morning routine routine, whether that is investing, tell me what your thoughts are behind that. Any Mm -hmm. common traits within these, uh, hyper successful people that you know of or, or heard of? Yeah, one of them definitely, not so much a morning routine, but um, I have a mentor that's really big on rituals. So carving out time for yourself and connecting back in with yourself. So she's helped me a lot with this, you know, whether it's like getting up out of your desk and intentionally making a coffee or um, going and exercising or just like nourishing yourself. I notice like a lot of, you know, we look at the Richard Bransons of the world, like they do that, they take time for that. And I think I read something about, uh, I listened to a TikTok, I think, on Jeff Bezos, and he was saying, like, he doesn't start a meeting before 10 and he spends time with his kids in the morning. And he does, like, I just think it's important whether you're a morning person or not. Like, I used to be the 5 a.m. gal. Uh, since my surgery, I'm more of like a 6.30 gal. Um, but I still, I notice, I totally notice the days where I don't either do a meditation in the morning, a quick journal session. I notice how my day pans out from there. It's incredible how much it impacts me. And then I think the other thing is being open-minded, you know, being open-minded to try new things, whether if someone says, you know, meditation is really like someone might be listening and be like, oh, meditation. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. You know, having that open-mindedness and listening to people because anything is possible, right? Like literally anything (laughs) is possible in, we've seen it. We've seen it, you know, miracles happen, whatever that is. It's like, you just have to be open-minded. And I think that was something that, has really helped me in entrepreneurship because I don't, and also like not seeing things as good, not seeing things as bad, just seeing them how they are and like having that open mind to try new things or discover something else. Or, you know, when someone um, wants to collaborate or do something with you rather than shutting it down, just have that open mind to seeing what that could lead to. Obviously sometimes it can be a waste of time, but like, you know, at least you tried. So I think it's just really opening yourself up to those opportunities. It doesn't mean you have to say yes to everyone, but I think it's just like having that space to allow you to have opportunities come to you. And I think that comes to people that are open-minded and when you're open-minded, I think you're more approachable as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy how having maybe not even a morning routine, like you said, but meditating, journaling, maybe going for a walk, how it really sets the tone I myself am the same way. If I don't do something in the morning, that's for me before Mm -hmm. I go, you know, work for myself. If it's not like a form of self-care in one way or another, then like the whole day is just, it's off, (laughs) you know, it really sets the tone when you can, you can make sure that's a priority. Right. Mm. And I even find like, just 
they're the days where like the shit happens. Excuse, excuse my language. Like on yeah. Monday, perfect example, Monday this week, Sunday, we went to this beautiful place called Tosa de Mar in Spain. Oh my God. It was like a dream. <laughs> on the way back, the bus broke down. Not ideal. Anyway, we didn't get home till really, really late. And I, uh, I really wanted to set my week up, but I just didn't have time. So I went to bed. And the next day we woke up late because we didn't get home till late. And then we didn't do right. meditation. We didn't journal. And this was the day the internet didn't work. This was the day we were running around trying to find a meeting room for me to do my workshop. And no one said yes. Everyone said no. Like, I just feel like the day just doesn't go to plan when you're not setting yourself up for success. Like, I just felt like, and I was in that mindset. So, you know, when you're in that mindset, you almost attract more. So it's like, oh, of Always. course that's going to happen. Of course that's going to happen. And it does because you're in that mindset. So it's just insane how that can impact even the things you don't have control over. It just, you know, I had no control over the internet. I had no control over whether there was a meeting space in anywhere in Barcelona that I could, you know, use. And then the next day, you know, set myself up and everything worked out, you know, it's, 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 and I, and that's probably a placebo or a mindset, but if that's going to help me get through the day by doing a simple meditation or a journal, I'll do it for the rest of my life, you know? (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like you are energy. And I mean, if you're in that mindset, that's like, nothing's working out, well, then nothing's going to work out. I've Mm -hmm. learned that so many times as well, but Mariah, this has been absolutely amazing. I just want to make sure that, you know, my guests know the best way to reach the content queen. (laughs) So, um, if you want to let them know the best way to connect with you, whether that's email or online, wherever, um, now's your time. And I just want to thank you again for taking your time out of your day after only having maybe an hour of sleep to come on my show and add so much value. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much, Brittany, for having me. I, as I said, love a chat, whether it's one hour sleep or 10. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. I have two handles, but I'll give you the content queen one. So that's at content queen Mariah. And you'll see if you go to that page, you'll have my kind of personal brand account. And um, yeah, you can check out my podcast, the content queen podcast, a very simple title to find. And yeah, make sure if you do connect with me on Instagram, you send me a message because I, I love getting messages. As I said, love a talk, love a voice note, love a text, whatever whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, definitely reach out and say hello. Thank you so much, Mariah. You guys go check out the content queen online. And I want to thank everyone for coming on the show today. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher, want to come on like Mariah did today, please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Bye, guys. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.